Welcome to Compared to Who, the podcast to help you stop comparing and start living. I'm your host, Heather Creekmore. I hate to admit this, but I used to secretly obsess over my appearance. I thought it was part of my job as a woman to always look better, but never felt like I could be good enough. Maybe you can relate. But God, in His grace, He showed me a way out, and I want to give you all the tools you need to break free, too. If you've ever spent too much time stressing over your looks, I get it. I hope you'll keep listening and find the same freedom I have. Here are three other things you need to know about me. I'm a minivan driving mom of four elementary age kids. I'm author of the book Compared to Who and a blogger at ComparedToWho.me. And you just may have seen my epic bake fail on Netflix. If you've ever struggled with comparison or body image issues, Compared to Who is the show for you. I hope you enjoy today's episode and tell a friend about it. Hey there, and thank you for listening to the Compared to You podcast. I'm Heather Creekmore, and I'm glad you're here today. Today, we're going to have a very relevant conversation with my new friend, Abby McDonald. Now, Abby is a blogger. She's a speaker. She's a wife and a mom whose work has been featured on Encourage, For Every Mom, I Believe, Crosswalk, and so many more. Her passion is to empower women to grow in faith and hope even when life is messy. And boy, is life messy now. Uh, Abby lives with her husband and her three children in Western Maryland. And I am so glad to have Abby McDonald, the author of a brand new book called Shift, on the show today. Abby, welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Heather. I'm glad to be here. So this is a different world we're in today, huh? (laughs) I mean, it's strange. Like when we first started even setting up this podcast, I was trying to work around all these events on my calendar and Mm -hmm. was like, oh, well, suddenly I'm free. (laughs) Yes. I mean, was it that experience for you? Like just clearing a massive clearing of the calendar over this, uh, this past week? Yes and no. It's, uh, funny because my kids are home now. So I kind of have less time Uh because they're with me pretty much 24 seven. But at the same time, there were a lot of other events related to writing that. Yes, it was just like, nope, not doing that today. (laughs) Cleared. So how old are your kids? My kids are 11, eight and three. Okay. Wow. Yes. And so they are helping around the house more. I have put them to work. Uh-huh. <laughs> and yeah, we're just taking it day to day. And they love it. They love being at home. But mommy has had to say a few more prayers for my sanity <laughs> and grace lately. <laughs> I understand. So I'm a homeschool mom, Abby. I don't know if you know oh, okay. that or not. So my, my regular days are home with all four of our kids. But, but it's an adjustment. I mean, I definitely have a lot of compassion and grace for anyone who has suddenly become a homeschool mom thanks to Corona, because that's a completely different thing to be a quarantined homeschool mom than a just sure. regular life homeschool mom. So, so yes. you have my greatest empathy. But I mean, the world, it just looks so very different than it did two weeks ago. And I just read your book. We share a publisher and the publisher was kind enough to send me a copy of your book as a Christmas present, actually. And um, a couple of weeks ago, I was headed off somewhere and I was like, it was kind of at the top of my stack. I was like, oh, you know what? I think I'll just, I'll check that out. And your book is all about, in fact, it's the subtitle of your book, Changing Our Focus to See the Presence of God. And I thought, 
you know what, that's really what this time could be, or maybe should be all about, right? Is how can we see the presence of God in this? So how are you doing that, Abby? Like what kind of things are you processing? What kinds of things are you doing actively to see the presence of God in all of this crisis we're in? Yes, Heather. You know, when I wrote this book, obviously I never imagined that this sort of thing would occur in the months to come, but it's interesting how God works, isn't it? And he knew before Mm -hmm. I did that this would this message would be timely and honestly i have to take this thing moment by moment and day by day and that is what god has been pressing on my heart continually is not to try to look into the future not to try to see into the unknown and that's a process for me because that is my tendency to be a what if type person to constantly go down that trail. Well, what if this happens? And what if this happens? And before I know it, I have run outside of God's grace into this unknown place. And I am completely anxious. My thoughts go out of control. And I have to just in that moment recognize what it is I'm doing and come before the Lord and ask for his help and ask him to help me focus on right now and what I can do to help someone else right now, what I can do to help my kids uh, who are home with me and how, how can I take advantage of this time with them? How can I use this for good and for his glory? And that's one thing that he really revealed to me today. I actually locked myself in the bathroom (laughs) and was praying Uh because that's one of the only places where I can get a moment of quiet right now. Uh (laughs) And yeah, and and he really just pressed on my heart, you know, Abby, I am going to use this for the good of my church. And if you will humble yourself before me and call on my name in the midst of this, I will cause an awakening in the church. And I will use this to bring them together in unity, the type of unity that Jesus prayed for in John 17, Mm. and that we really haven't seen in the Mm. church. And so I really think that, that he can use this for our ultimate good, but it's a process and it's a a constant faith walk for us to believe that and to see that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's just amazing to think about how, like you said, no one could have predicted this is the spot we were going to be in today. I think technically this is like quarantine day four, I think maybe, or day five. Five. Five for you. You've been counting. (laughs) See, see, as a homeschool mom, the joke is everyone's like, what? Calling this quarantine? It's like, we just call it Tuesday. (laughs) You know, that's like a little joke Um, because this is almost normal, but then, but then very much not normal at the same time. Now, so you're in Maryland and what I've got lots of friends in Maryland. So you guys are like on complete shutdown 
or and have been for several days. Now, Texas, we just, we went to complete shutdown pretty much yesterday, although my husband okay. works at a very large church. And so he's actually been there all week and he's actually preaching this week's sermon. So he's, he's been working all week. So life for us is, is not that abnormal other than all the extracurricular activities coming off the calendar and all of the Zoom meetings going on the calendar to replace right. all of our, I mean, we're doing kickboxing via Zoom. <laughs> so yeah, that's the yeah. level of, of crazy we've got going on here. Yeah. But I'm an Enneagram 7. I don't know if you're into the Enneagram or not. It's easy, I think, for me to look at it and be like, oh, this is awesome. Like there's so much good, (laughs) you know, but I know that that's not every personality. So what do you say to those people who are really maybe struggling today with like, I can't see the good in this. I Mm -hmm. only see crisis. I only see fear. I only see danger when I want to go to the grocery store. What would you say to encourage those people? You know, Heather, that's a good question. And I love that you're in a Neogram 7. I have a friend who actually just went on Facebook live the other day and she's a seven too and she had the same attitude as you do see I'm a six and so yeah so my uh tendency when I'm at my worst is to fear and Mm. is to really just sort of go off the deep end (laughs) Mm. but when I'm at my best I am bold and I am brave I'm championing others and so it's a constant battle for me to sort of navigate through those two extremes and I really think that when you're in that place, because I have gone there, I have gone there several times over the past few days, I've been having the strangest dreams and just waking up in the middle of the night and having a hard time going back to sleep. And I think that uh, in that moment, we have a choice. Like I said before, we can choose to look at the what if and look at the unknown, or we can choose to believe what scripture says and what God says about his people. And what he says is that he will use each and every mess that we go through for our ultimate good. And I love the story of Joseph, how he went through all of those difficulties and trials, you know, getting sold into slavery and going through famine and being thrown into prison unjustly. And at the end of all of that, he looks at his brothers and he says, what you intended for evil, God intended for good. Mm -hmm. And I do believe that with my heart is that what the enemy is trying to use to destroy us and trying to make us fear and make us hostile toward each other and hoarding and all of this, um, that God will use it for our good. been bogging you down for too long, it's time to get free. My friend, go to comparejahoo.me, take your free body image awareness quiz. You will learn amazing things. You'll get your results right away. And I think you'll have fun too, because I mean, who doesn't love to take quizzes? Go to comparejahoo.me. There's lots of great resources on that site, articles about body image and comparison and how you can find freedom through the gospel of Jesus Christ. Check it out today. Right after this episode, of course. What really helps me is to look back 
at what he's done. Now, obviously, we've never faced anything like this before um, in our lifetime. And so there's nothing like this to compare it to, but I can still look back at times when I've gone through trials and where my tendency was to fear and to see how he brought me through that and how he delivered me. That would be my advice to those who are really struggling right now. Yeah, that's really good. Well, and the other thing, I'm, I'm staring at one of your quotes here, and I'm going to mention it in just a second, just a quote from your book. But the one thing that just keeps popping into my mind is, in some ways, it's crises like this that break down our illusion that we're in control. Right? Oh yeah. <laughs> because, because yeah. like, I think so often we have this false confidence in our ability to control things, right? Like we can yes, take yes. every precaution, you know, we can lock our doors and get an alarm system and no one will break in. And, you know, we mm -hmm. can, we can do all these things, but there's just something about this coronavirus, the way that it's talked about the news and the way that we're learning how it spreads and everything. It's like, it seems completely uncontrollable, <laughs> you know, yeah, and that, yeah. and that I think causes panic. I mean, right. I'm, I'm a semi control freak or recovering control freak is what I like to say. I mean, yeah. it's like, you mean I can't wash my hands enough? I can't use enough hand sanitizer? Like I've got to take <laughs> my clothes off and I've got to watch out for steel where it lives for three days. And you know, like, ah, all the things, it's too much. And it's suddenly like, we have no control. And then I wonder if God is just laughing like, oh, friends, <laughs> right. you were never in control to begin with, you know, oh, dear, yeah. dear ones. You have right. no idea how little control you actually have. But I'm staring at a quote from your book. I'm going to quote you to you. When we follow God into the unknown, our mm. expectations of his grace must become greater than our dependence on an answer. And I know this yeah. is completely out of the context <laughs> in which right. you wrote it, but right. that just stuck out to me the other day as yeah. I was kind of flipping through your book again, like, yeah we can't rely on the president to give us an answer at his daily press conference, which I may or may not be watching on the side right. of my screen every day. Right. Um, right. We, we have to just rest in God's grace and be so mm -hmm. much more dependent on yeah. God's grace than on the answers that we feel like we are or even aren't getting from our leaders. What does this make you think of? It really, it, it's like you said, Heather, we have to rely on him more than we ever had before. And, you know, I think that he's using this crisis to try to get us to do that, you know, to stop looking to the media, stop looking to our phones and the internet for our answers and to come to him and humble ourselves before him so that uh, he can show himself and reveal himself to the church. And I believe that he will do that, but it is a process, you know, and it's day by day and it's abiding in him. And I love that Jesus' final teaching to his disciples in John was about abiding in the vine. And he said, abide in me and you will bear much fruit, but apart from me, you can do nothing. And I think that our tendency is to try to control things and we try to be self-sufficient. And um, this crisis is funny because it is forcing us to be somewhat more self-sufficient. I mean, for those of us who are in self-isolation and for 
people who are already being uh, forced into quarantine. And it is, um, in a way, it is making us more self-sufficient, but then at the same time, we need each other. We need each other more than ever. And we need to know that we're not alone. Um, so I think that reaching out to our fellow brothers and sisters and saying, hey, you know, how can I pray for you? And how can I support you during this time? Um, just coming before God continually. I mean, it tells us in scripture to pray without ceasing, but how many of us actually do that? You know, mm -hmm. um, I know for me, it's, it's become more of a continual conversation with God because I, I really need that right now. You know, I, yeah. I need that peace and I need that grace. So um, he's, he's definitely trying to use this situation to draw us in. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Yeah. The one thing that stuck out to me as I was kind of looking through your book again, I was mm -hmm. thinking you've kind of struggled with a lot of the different things that people listening today may have to face in the months to come. I mean, you, mm -hmm. you had a difficult time trying to sell a house and you needed to move. And so you had the financial burden there. You had to rush a child to the hospital. I mean, all of these very real situations that that I think a lot of people are going to be facing over the next weeks and months that can kind of shake or, or rattle your faith, right? It's like, wait, right. God, I thought you were yeah. going to come through. Wait, how, why, why are we dealing with this? Do you want to share one of those stories or, or just maybe tell us <laughs> how, <laughs> how you've coped in those situations? Definitely. I'd love to share. Um, well, the situation you talked about when uh, I rushed my child to the hospital, that was my firstborn. And it was when he was about a year old, we discovered that he had severe food allergies. Uh, he's allergic to peanuts, tree nuts, coconut, and sunflower seed. And he was having an allergic reaction to peanuts. And he just started swelling up like a balloon. He had hots all over his body. I had no clue what was going on and I was just horrified. But my husband, fortunately, he is familiar with allergies. He has environmental allergies himself. And so he knew what to look for. And we rushed him first uh, to urgent care, actually. And they told us, we're not even equipped to handle this. You need to take him to the ER, which, you know, just throws me into mm -hmm. further panic. Mm -hmm. And uh, we did get him to the emergency room in time. Uh, they gave him some injections of a steroid and he, he ended up being completely fine. You know, we, we found out what the issue was, how to proceed, you know, got a prescription went for an EpiPen to carry around with us. But when he started school, when I would get a phone call from the school, it like almost every time I just, I thought he was having an allergic reaction mm -hmm. to something. My mind just went there like, oh no, what is going on? And those were the times when I had to continually rely on God and his grace. And I think that in these types of situations, we have to remind ourselves that God's love for us is greater than anything that we could comprehend. Mm -hmm. And so when I look at my son and well, any of my kids, you know, and I think about the love that I have for them, that doesn't even compare to the love that God feels when he looks at us. And so when we're going through these, these unknowns, I'd be foolish to think that we won't have some hard days ahead of us with all this, but we have to 
see those things through the filter of God's love and his grace. And that's not an easy thing to do, mm-hmm. but I think that it is possible for us to do it with his spirit in us and with us continually seeking him and getting ourselves before him and into his word and just saying like, how, how is God continuing to love me through this? How is he continuing to provide for me for this? And that's how I got through some of those, those difficult days with my son. And eventually his peace just uh, surpassed my my fear and my worry. Yeah, that's really good. And that's what we need right now, right? We need that peace, uh, yes, that, yes. Peace that surpasses understanding, right? Yes, absolutely. Hey there, how much is freedom worth to you? That's kind of an odd question, right? When I was in the midst of my struggle with disordered eating and body image, I would have paid anything I had to be free. Truth is, I spent a lot of my budget on things I thought could help me be free, like new diets, exercise gizmos, clothing, but none of those things really helped. I'm so grateful that God showed me the way out. And now I'm passionate about helping others find their way out too. I want them to know that Jesus already paid it all. They don't have to spend another cent to find the freedom they really desire. But truth is, it does cost me something to get this message out, compared to who can't spread the message of Jesus' offer of freedom without the help of women like you. Would you consider making a contribution? Check out Compared to Who's Patreon page at patreon.com slash compared to who. Then prayerfully consider giving $1 or $5 a month, whatever you can to help. Any amount you'd be willing to donate would be a huge blessing and will go directly towards covering the operating expenses of this ministry. Thank you for being a part of seeing other women set free from the chains of body image and comparison. May God bless your generosity. Well, Abby, you are on the Compared to Who show, so I yes. would miss if I did not ask you the million-dollar question. <laughs> so, Abby, have you ever struggled with body image or comparison? Would you want to share with us a little bit about your struggle there? Yes. I think, Heather, that, that's something that so many women struggle with, and yes, I absolutely have struggled with that. I think, honestly, it was the worst with my last child, my third child. Um, that was my girl, and we kind of we call her our grand finale, so uh-huh. to speak. <laughs> awesome. uh, we we have uh, two boys and a girl, and our little girl's the youngest, and she's like the princess, you know, queen, just constantly bossing her brothers around. <laughs> but that's a whole nother that's a whole nother topic and story. Um, but I really sh- struggled. Um, I struggled to lose the weight after I had my third child. I've, all of my births have been uh, C-sections. And so I think, wow. <laughs> yeah. And I think, <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah. And so I think, I think it's harder. I, I don't want to compare to people that have given natural birth, but this is something that even a nurse at the hospital told me when I had uh, Elise, she was like, don't be surprised if it's more difficult for you to get back to your, you know, normal body after this, you know, because it, it's harder with each surgery. Mm-hmm. And it was. And I, you know, I, like I said, I struggled to, to lose the weight. Um, I had that little pooch that mm-hmm. uh, women get, you know, after they've had so many C-sections or given birth so many times. And I was just really down on myself. And I remember one day 
I was sort of dancing around in front of the mirror with my baby girl. She was probably about six months old at the time. And she was at that stage where she loved to look at herself in the mirror, you know, and she mm-hmm. would just look at the mirror and you're, it's that point where you're not quite sure if they know it's them or not, you know, they're just, <laughs> yeah. they're just looking in the mirror like, Hey, you know, who's that in the mirror? And so I'm holding her and, um, I'm like wondering like what, what is it that she sees when she looks at the mirror? And I felt like God was saying to me, you know, what do you see? What do you mm-hmm. see when you look at yourself? And do you see what I see mm-hmm. when I look at you? And I knew that the answer was no, I didn't. And I also realized that I didn't want that for my daughter. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that it's so different when you have girls because you don't want that for them. You don't want them to grow up hating their body, you know, and comparing their body to other women and having that, that loathing. And so God just really spoke to me to love what he created, Mm. you know, and to love what he gave me, this body that has the ability to, to give life and to give birth and Um, absolutely to take care of it and to eat well and to exercise and do all of that, but not to do it from the mindset of, I have to look like this person, Mm -hmm. you know, or I have to achieve this to be a certain way. And so he definitely used having a daughter to, to get through to me. Yeah, that's really good. I remember when my daughter was probably about the age that your daughter is now, we had a hard time getting her to brush her teeth because she was spending so much time smiling at herself (laughs) in the mirror. And this was like, so my daughter is 12 now. So this was like nine years ago. And it was still, I was kind of just coming out of my body image struggles. And it was probably a couple years after that, that I, I wrote uh, my first book. But, you know, I remember kind of like being torn between like the okay, is she just going to be really vain? <laughs> and, and then being convicted and, and kind of happy that she was able to smile at herself in the mirror. And yeah. I struggled with that. And then right. the one time where I was putting on makeup and she was, she may have been about four, maybe even five at this point, but you know, like when you put on mascara, you make funny faces at yourself, you know, you open your mouth right. wide or whatever. <laughs> but she was just like, mommy, why do you always frown at yourself Aww. in the mirror? And wow. I, you know, so I like, of course, gave her the like, well, you have to make this certain face in order to get the makeup on. Right. <laughs> but right. but right. I was so convicted. I was like, oh no, she's yeah. right. I yeah. don't smile at myself in the mirror. And so that was, that was God using her to really jolt me. Like she's mm-hmm. watching, she's watching what yeah. I'm modeling, even when I'm not trying to model anything. Yeah. Her, I'm just yeah. trying to put my makeup on to get out of the house. <laughs> um, so yeah. it is, it is Absolutely. amazing that the impact having a daughter can have on, yes. on that struggle. Thank you for sharing that. So there's a lot of people out there that are going to have maybe some more time to read over the next couple of yeah. weeks. Hopefully it's weeks and not months. Yes. And you have this brand new book. It's called Shift, Changing Our Focus to See the Presence of God. I yeah. think that this would be a very encouraging read for someone that's in the middle of a global pandemic and economic <laughs> downfall. I don't know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> Can you tell us just broadly a little bit more about the book and what people could expect if they download it to their Kindle today? Absolutely. Yeah. So the book, as the, the name suggests, it's really about seeing God in the midst of our struggles. And so uh, obviously we're, we're all going through a big global struggle right now, which as I said before, that wasn't what I had in mind when I wrote it, but I do think it speaks to that. And there's a number of different things that I address in the book. One of them is when we feel like God is leading us in a specific direction and we're obedient to that call and we hit a wall. Um, how do we see God in that? How do we continue to move forward in faith? I talk about our identity and um, some of that comparison you're referring to, uh, the striving of feeling like we have to earn our place at God's table and how to see ourselves as he sees us and to see him and his purpose for us and really just uh, seeing him in the day-to-day, -day, you know, seeing him in the, the mundane things that we think don't really matter. And I think a lot of us are, are facing that right now, you know, mm -hmm. like how, how does this matter? How does this day-to-day um, -day, uh, living in isolation, trying to make sure I have enough toilet paper, <laughs> you know, and food to make it to tomorrow. Uh, how does this matter in the broader sense of things? And I think this book would really help people to see that and to see God in the midst of that. So what was your process? Like what made you want to write a book like this? Well, you know, really just my own struggles and what I would hear other people say, stories I would hear from people. And like I said before, the specifically when we feel like God is leading us down a certain path and we hit that wall. Mm -hmm. And I think our natural tendency when we hit those walls and those detours is to say, well, where are you, God? You know, mm -hmm. like, what is this? Why am I encountering all this difficulty? I did what you asked me to do. And I think that when we are obedient, we expect abundance and blessing. <laughs> and we expect life to look the way we want it to and to look the way we saw it in our vision for the mm -hmm. future. But God's vision is not always the same as our vision. And so how do we align our focus with what he sees for our future? And how do we sort of adjust our expectations a little bit? And that's another thing I talk about in the book is our expectations. And I think that it's natural. Um, obviously, as humans, we're going to have expectations. There's no way around that. I don't think God expects us to let go of them. Mm -hmm. uh, but I do think that there are times when he asks us to hold them a little more loosely mm -hmm. and to trust him even when life does not look the way we expected it to. Yeah. Like I told you before we started recording, like I've been editing my next book kind of in the final edits before it comes out in September. And I do I have a chapter on, well, that, that talks a lot about expectations because I think that's when we kind of fall into that comparison trap even more. Yeah. Because yeah. it's not enough that we think things should go a certain way. Yeah. And then it's one thing to be disappointed by things not going the way we want it to go. And then it's another thing that we have, you know, we build up all these tremendous expectations based on what we see around us. And, you know, and then that somehow becomes like the sign of God's goodness or the sign of God's favor. And just kind of stepping back and recognizing that, you know, God works so differently in every one of our lives. <laughs> that, yeah. That's not a good metric. But we had a similar experience 
experience to you. I think one of your stories in the book is about trying to sell a house and you needed to yeah. move. And it was obvious yeah. that like God was in the move and that God wanted you all to move to take this other job. But right. the house didn't sell. And we had the exact same thing happen here to us. I mean, it was obvious to us that God wanted us to take this job in Austin, but I sat in an empty house. <laughs> In, mm-hmm. in, you know, outside of Dallas with our kids for a couple months, waiting and waiting and asking the question, like, why God, like, why would you want us to be separated for this time? You know, right. why, why yeah. not just sell the house? Like, why not just show everyone that you were totally in this? Right. And, yeah. And, you know, and it's, and you know, I still don't know that I have an answer for that. I mean, it's that nice, trite kind of Christian, but not necessarily biblical <laughs> um, mm-hmm. thing that we say is like, you'll be able to see, see the why later. And it's like, no, I don't think that that's always true. We can't always see the right. why later. We just have to trust that God is working even when we have no yeah. idea why things aren't going as planned. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, there's a yeah. lot of good stuff in this book and um, thank you for writing it and sharing with us from your yeah. experience. So, so thank Thanks for doing that. I mean, books are a labor of love. I get that. And yes. so I hope it will be a blessing to a lot of people. Well, absolutely. Me Addie, too. I thank you for being on the show today. Can you tell listeners where they can connect with you best? Yes, they can connect with me at abbymcdonald.org. Uh, if you sign up for email updates, then I have a free gift that I will, I will send to you in your inbox. It's called the Daughter's Manifesto, and it's just a declaration of who we are in Christ and who we are when we're covered by his, his grace and his promise. And I think that we all need that reminder from time to time. So yeah, that sounds awesome. I mean, who doesn't love a free gift? (laughs) That's fantastic. Um, So thank you for that. And then I'll put link to all of your, all your stuff in the show notes. And anyone can pick up shift on Amazon, Christian books, all those places. Is that right? Correct. Yes. Anywhere books are sold. Awesome. Well, Abby, thanks again for being on the show today. And I pray you and yours stay well and uh, enjoy your quarantine. (laughs) Thank you, Heather. Thank you for having me on. Well, that's all for today's show. I thank you for listening. I hope today's episode has maybe done a little bit to help you stop comparing and start living. Take care. Bye-bye. Hey friend, would you check out the date on that episode you just listened to? Yeah, it's been a minute. Listening to old podcasts is almost like reading my diary from several years ago. In some cases, it's even a little embarrassing. So instead of listening straight through season by season, can I encourage you to skip ahead? I release brand new episodes every Tuesday and Friday. And if you're not sure where to start, you can go to improvebodyimage.com, find the Start Here button, and I've got several episodes listed and categorized so you can find the topics that are of most interest to you. Your time is valuable, so skip straight to the good stuff. I'm glad you're here. Thanks for letting me be a part of your body image and food freedom journey. Is life feeling chaotic? I get it. I'm Rachel Wojo, host of the Untangling Life podcast. Don't miss the passionate encouragement and faith-based resources you need to help you clear your head and calm your heart. As Shell says, it feels like Rachel always knows what I need to hear. She keeps it real and is so humble. Her podcast is just the cherry on top. Enjoy Untangling Life with Rachel Wojo on lifeaudio.com 
or your favorite podcast app now.